Welcome to the Footyology Podcast with Rowan Connolly and Rodney E. G'day everyone and welcome to the Footyology Podcast back for 2023 and a seventh year and uh, very, very excited to be here in uh, fairly changed circumstances, proudly teaming up with ESPN to um, publish this podcast uh, we will be doing a preview midweek show once every week right throughout the AFL season. So thanks to ESPN for their support and for getting on board. But an even bigger thanks to a new co-host of the show. And I speak of none other than four-time premiership player, grand final coach, highly respected AFL analyst, uh, general raconteur and good bloke, Mr. Rodney Eade, and uh, we are so grateful for Rocket to getting on board. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Rowan. Uh, thanks uh, for having me on board. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to the season and uh, looking forward to be part of this uh, great tandem that we've got going. Um, obviously, replacing uh, another Tasmanian, great Tasmanian, Robert Shaw, who's uh, retired and Pushed himself down to Queenscliff and he's off <laughs> near fishing. So, uh, but certainly good to be on board. And good to see that it took about 11.5 seconds to get the first Tasmanian <laughs> reference into <laughs> the show because sure, that'll be a constant. <laughs> well, sure, sure, he set a high bar there. And uh, I was going to um, refresh your memory. We do go way back. We, we go way back, Rocket, uh, all the way back to 1984 when, in fact, we both shared the same hairdresser, Smithers Hairdressing, back in Glen Ferry Road, Melbourne. And uh, indeed, I'd love to regale people with the story about how you went and got a special pre-grand final haircut, the uh, the Dunny Brush special with the <laughs> e extra blonde tips. And why I know that, Rocket, is because, as you know, I've watched the last quarter of the 1984 grand final about 158 times. And one of my favourite moments is Tim Watson's second goal in that last quarter, which clinched victory for Essendon, kicked while none other than a despairing Rodney Ede with um, blonde tips beaming like a shaft of gold through the MCG darkness dived despairingly across Tim Watson's boot. Fond memory for you? I can't remember it. Uh, it must be breaking up. I can't hear you. <laughs> now you push the, well, you always push the the bad days in the back of the mind, and only think of the good days, Rowan. So, um, nah. Well, fair to say you had plenty of them later on, but I do love the way you Hawthorne guys cut up so rough about nineteen eighty four. And uh, given how Essendon's gone the last two decades, at least allow me that very small win. Okay, there's the partisan stuff out of the way, <laughs> nice and early. All right, no, all colours early. All seriousness, uh, we've got a big show ahead, a big 2023 season preview. We're going to go through the prospects of every club, take a look at uh, the ins and outs, uh, where they'll finish, uh, why they'll finish there, what the problems are, what they need to address. Uh, a great season ahead. It's going to be a fantastic season, this, and uh, we're going to examine in depth the chances of every one of the 18 clubs. Let's waste no more time. Let's get straight into it. On Footyology, previews with Punch. All right, we're going to go through the competition in alphabetical order. Uh, took us five minutes to work out what that order was. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've got that down, Pat. So we're starting with Adelaide, their 2022 record. Uh, eight wins, 14 losses, and a finish of 14th. Uh, I guess you could argue a, a very minor incremental improvement, one win better than their 2021 record. 
Uh, Jess Slow going for the Crows. So let's look at the major ins and outs from the list. Um, coming onto the list, really, uh, basically all draftees, uh, Tyler Brown, a preseason supplemental selection, uh, ditto Mark Keane. But uh, the big in for them, um, the highly talented small forward, Isaac Rankin, uh, coming into that Crows lineup from Gold Coast. So obviously a pretty valuable acquisition. Uh, out, uh, Luke Brown retired. Uh, Billy Frampton, uh, he's coming alive at Collingwood this year. There's a first of what will be many musical references, Rocket. Hoping you, hoping, um, hoping you can pull your weight on that score as well. Sure, he was pretty good on that uh, on that score. Bit, very 70s orientated. I'm tipping you might be a bit the same. Uh, uh, and a few delistings. James Rowe, Brett Turner and Ben Davis. Um, I've got to admit, if I could sum up my thoughts on the Crows in one word, it would be... Yeah. Um, how do you see them in 2023? Oh, I, I think it's more of the same. Uh, I think uh, they may get incremental improvement, whether that... Uh, and probably will get some incremental improvement in performance. Whether that equates to more wins, I don't know. I think they're stacked heavily in the forward line, but, uh, you know, you worry about their midfield. Um, you worry about some run and, uh, uh, I suppose, generating some, some movement off half-back, which seems to be the go now in, in the modern football when we want to play attacking footy um, with the stand the mark all the teams have responded to that so it's more of a I suppose projection off half back and it's really only Smith that does that Dawson at times um, so I don't know if they get enough inside 50s for their uh, for their forwards to take advantage and their their better talent really is at the top end of their age you know Walker Laird Smith these type of players, um, Rankin will add a bit, but he, I'm still not convinced on him with his consistency. Hopefully he can get that. But I think you know, today eight wins, maybe nine, but they might get six or seven, I don't know. But I think they're about that bottom six again. I've I got to admit, I, interesting point on the age demographics. My, my queries sort of structurally, have they loaded up too much in the forward line at the expense of concentrating on the midfield? Because the midfield to me is the most vanilla part of their setup. Yeah, um, home, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, where, you know, you look up forward, you've got Walker, Fogarty. Uh, there's another musical reference, of course. Uh, Rankin, Philthorpe, you know, Rochelle, McAdam. But, yeah, very stodgy midfield. Yeah, Crouch is obviously, you know, he racks them up, but he he he, he doesn't hurt a team. He doesn't, he doesn't penetrate the lines. He's not quick. Sloan's back in, so whether they play him on a wing, but he's he's again over 30, so he's an older player. He's missed a year of footy. What he can deliver, we know what he can do, uh, but there's not much else in the midfield. So, yeah, that's going to be their... Uh, it's going to be their Achilles heel is getting enough ball inside 50 for their forwards. I'm, I'm pretty um, interested in the developmental curve under Matthew Nix because... I don't know. I feel like in some ways we're a little impatient about a side's improvement now. I mean, there has been improvement year to year, you know, three wins in 2020, seven wins in 21, eight wins in 22. But I think, I don't know, we're in an era now where we expect sides, if they are going to improve, to do it in under three seasons and heading into a fourth you know, is is has the jury already returned a verdict? Is what I'm saying, I guess. Yeah, it's an interesting way the, the way the, the landscape is. It's it's as much internal, um, and some clubs react uh, are very reactive to the media and very reactive to their supporters. So they'll make changes quickly and a knee jerk reaction. Uh, depends internally how they how they see it. 
the only problem with being an incremental uh, improvement, which I think is a good way to go, and if they can get nine or ten wins, I think you know the curve is going up. Is if they have a bad season, then then the then all the pundits come out and all the criticisms come out. So if they can jump big in one year, it gives you a bit of credit. Um, so. I still think the improvements are okay because they cut the list uh, fairly bare, but uh, it'd be interesting to see what happens. Okay, well we're not uh, we're going to uh, wimp out here and not um, pick a actual finishing position for each club. We're too clever for that, uh, but we're going to go uh, bottom six, middle six, or top six, and occasionally give a a region in in whichever six it is. Um, you kick us off. Where have you got the crows? I've got them bottom six again, but probably the top end of that, maybe maybe 12 to 14 um, is about where I think they'll finish. Um, uh, I can't see them really pressing for the eight at all. Yep, ditto for me, bottom six as well. All right, there's the first in our previews for 2023. Uh, let's kick off the next one. Let's head to Brisbane, and uh, boy, have they been knocking on the door for a while now, uh, four years, in fact, um, and this a fifth uh, concerted tilt at a flag coming up under Chris Fagan, the Lions 2022 record, 17 wins and eight losses for a finish of fourth, a second preliminary final under Chris Fagan. Uh, list change as well. They are big, some massive ins here for the Lions. Boy, they've Landed some good talent. A couple of really good father-son pickups in Will Ashcroft and Jasper Fletcher, both highly regarded, but uh, some very, very big names here. Namely, Josh Dunkley coming in from the Western Bulldogs, Jack Gunston, the Hawthorne sharpshooter, and Connor McKenna. Uh, I really like this pickup, Rocket, the Essendon running machine uh, back in Ireland for a season, but uh, back on deck for AFL, and he could be a huge bonus for them. Off, uh, Dan McStay. Uh, long-serving key forward. He's headed to Collingwood. Tom Berry traded to the Gold Coast. And uh, that old warhorse, Mitch Robinson, retired. Well, oh so close now for uh, so many years and uh, I guess really closer than ever last year. Can they go a couple of steps further in 2023? Um, yeah, I know they got belted in the preliminary final, but they had some good finals wins before that, um, beating Melbourne and... Um, and they weren't expected to. So, yeah, I, I think they've got the capabilities. I think they've added nicely to the team. I think they've added to each area. McKenna gives them that another option of running halfback, whether Zorko plays there as well. Um, now that Dunkley's coming to the midfield, gives them a bit more grunt, a bit more tackling pressure, takes the, the heat off Neil. Um, so Zorko maybe goes to halfback. Uh, I like their ability to run through the lines. Gunston, to me, is a really key signing, even though he's 31 and he's coming off a, a bad back from last year. Just his smarts, um, not only ability to kick goals, uh, create goals for other players, but his direction and his ability to create space. And uh, I, I think he'll be I think he'll be a big signing for him. And um, I, I like what they've done. I think Ashcroft and Fletcher are good signings as kids, obviously, but we can't expect kids to grab the mantle. I think there'll be excellent players down the track, but I, I can see the Lions uh, actually progressing. Yeah, I, I love Gunston as a pickup. He is such a smart player. And it sounds a bit weird to say it, given he's been part of, uh, what, three premierships, but still, in some ways, to me, a bit underrated. Um, just so efficient and, and and clever, you know, and I think clever 
Cleverness in AFL these days is at a, more of a premium, isn't it? We don't necessarily get as many players with natural footy now, and he's certainly one of them. So big tick there. My, my concern is probably as much as anything about their defence. Um, now, in terms of stats, they, they had the 10th-ranked defence last year, second-ranked offence, of course. That's a strong suit. I just wonder if you need a bit better than 10th-ranked. And to that end, uh, and, and in fact, an effective out we haven't really mentioned because um, unfortunately it's a serious thing and he's out with concussion. But Marcus Adams, that big-bodied key defender, uh, he could be a potentially da- real damaging loss. I just wonder if that leaves a fraction too much responsibility again in the lap of um, Harris Andrews. Yeah, that that could be a case because I think teams are starting not to exploit Harris Andrews but to take his strength away. He's not a great runner. He, he intercepts really well and loves playing in the last... 30 metres of the ground. Teams are starting to take him further up the ground um, where there's a bit more area for him to cover. He's not quick. Um, he's a great uh, reader of the play. So not having that extra defender could expose that. Um, obviously, Jack Payne, they're trying to uh, improve. Um, uh, and they got the guy from St Kilda as well. So they're just trying to bulk their defence up as a rather than be leaking. But, yeah, that could be a concern. But I think if they've got enough running power, they can get some players back and be able to generate some run from there. Uh, well, last reservation for me is just the psychological resilience, if you like, which could be a bit unfair, given that that was a great win over uh, Melbourne on the MCG last year. And that may have sort of lifted the, the, uh, the shackles a little bit, but still got completely smacked in a, in a preliminary final. Um, uh, are they still a little bit flaky? Do you think, or are we past that? Oh, I, I think they're past. I think the the preliminary final. You have a look at the Swans got belted in the grand final, so obviously yeah. on a very good side. I thought they showed a fair bit of resilience to win their finals and and beat Melbourne. They weren't expected. Uh, it was a tough game the week before, and they had to travel, and they were able to able to win that. And I, I think that game more than the preliminary final have a a positive mental effect rather than the negative effect. So. Yeah, I, I I think they can go another step further. Okay, so obviously top six for you, and uh, you even a bit more uh, bullish than that top. Uh... Oh, I think they're certainly top four. Yeah, um, with a with a good chance of being top two. All right, I'm saying top six. I'm actually not prepared to, uh, you know, uh, lock them in as a, a top four team, but certainly top six. I think uh, we agree they're certainly one of the better credentialed lists in the competition. All right, uh, there's A and B. Let's turn our attention to C. Let's talk about Carlton. Always a club with plenty of expectations around it. Uh, 2022 record heartbreak. 12 wins, 10 losses, ninth, of course, infamously uh, missing out in finals with that heartbreaker against Collingwood in the last game of the season. Uh, Ins and outs, well, uh, Blake Akers been traded in from Fremantle. Uh, some draft picks, a uh, couple of highly rated uh, guys among them. Out, uh, well, there's quite a few. Will Hayes, Oscar McDonald, Jack Nunes, uh, Luke Parks, all delisted. Liam Stocker, Tom Williamson and Will Setterfield traded to Essendon. Always a lot of um, speculation about how the Blues are going to go, uh, particularly under Michael Voss, Rocket. What do you reckon? Yeah, I, there's a lot of hype around them. It seems to be, you now that their hype's been the past year, we are coming. Um, well, now it's about how hard to get there. Um, yeah, you know, so, where, where coming is about 15 years ago. Now, I know. I well, they brought that out last year or something like that. Oh, was that? Yeah, sorry. That might have been what What are they cooking? What are we cooking? cooking <laughs> yeah, so I, um, 
I'm not t- as sold as everybody else is on Carlton. I think there's enough doubt around them in my mind. They've had some injuries. Williams, obviously. Jack Martin just can't get on the park at the moment. Walsh, they're saying he missed the first month, but he's very professional whether he comes back early. But he still won't be the player until he gets a few games under his belt. Um, I don't know. I know they had a couple out on the weekend, but uh, their midfield hasn't got super depth, even though they did very well. Their best three or four are good. I've still got enough doubt on them that they can be assured of being in the eight. Um, mm. So I think they'll rely on Colonel Mackay. I, th- I think Mackay, even though he was the common medalist, I think he's got to stand up. I think he's got to be better. I think he's got to go to another level. He's not a good kick for goal. He's got to convert chances with all their hard work. If he can do that, um, and, and everyone talks about Kurnow, but I think it's Mackay that's really got to be the one that's got to grab the games by the scruff of the neck. Well, they've had the last two Coleman medals, haven't they? Kerno last year and and Mackay in twenty twenty one. I I'm with you. I, I, reservations are, are twofold: one, depth, and two, psychological hardness. You know, and that might come in time. But I feel like you know Cripps, uh, Kerno, Mackay, and Walsh. I feel like there's a bit of a gap after that, isn't there, in terms of dependability and, and ability? Well, Wiedering does well. He, oh, sorry, sorry. He, yeah, yeah. Well, he's done really well in defence and he's held that up pretty well. But I reckon their defence can be suspect. Yeah. Um, uh, so, like, like people say, oh, you, how come you talk about Adelaide and you talk about Carlton? Well, they're in a, in a different sphere. We're talking about Carlton threatening for the eight. Adelaide aren't. And they're developing a Hawthorne or developing. These one, Carlton have gone through that development phase. They need to deliver. So the mm. pressure's on them now. They just missed out in the eight. I understand that last year and a bit of bad luck or whatever the case may be in those last two games. But I'm still not convinced that they are certainly for that. They might get in the eight. I'm not saying they won't, but I can't see them finishing in a top six spot. Do you feel like, uh, I, I sort of feel like the, the yes or no on them will come down to, are there a, is there a group of two or three players who probably coming into you know their third or fourth year who will suddenly jump up yep. to, to a higher level in the way, you know, I apologise, it's an Essendon player I'm talking about, but say Darcy Parrish going to that new level. They yes. need they need another couple like that, don't they? Yeah. yeah. I, you know, the recruit last year, Chero, was okay. He's one player that needs to go to that level. He He's the top. He's been in the system long enough is what you're saying. Mm. Uh, he, he's to, he needs to deliver at the level uh, that Walsh does, who's younger. So that... Or about the same age. That that's what they need. And I, I no, I totally agree. I I worry about their defence and supporting Weetering. You know, the March Banks can he stand up uh, physically? Uh, Plowman's a bit iffy. Uh, they've got a, too many players that I think can be exposed when the heat's on. I think they'll beat the teams below them. It's about whether they can beat the teams that are above them um, and have those players stand up. Well, which brings me to my other reservation, that is we saw last year, you know, obviously in those disastrous last two games, they let healthy weeds slip. Um, there are a number of other games, some in which they managed to just hang on, in which they let weeds slip. Uh, how concerning a sign is that? I mean, can you see a side growing and, and being able to overcome that? Or is it is that sort of a fatal psychological flaw, you think? Yeah, it's a it's a good question. You have a look at Collingwood last year, win all those close games. Yeah, probably come from behind. Um, uh, it it certainly can be a psychological uh, issue, um, but they've got to learn from that. And I would think Michael Voss would be working on that over the summer. So a their mental toughness and resilience, but b uh, techniques and tactically 
what players do in certain situations. I think there was a lack of education at a few times last year that let them down and players just did the wrong thing. So I, I think they can improve on that, uh, but they'll need to to be able to get into the eight. All right, give us a prediction. Um, I've got them uh, not in the top six. They're, they're in the next six for me, but the top end of that. So it gives them a chance to get in the eight. So anywhere from seven to 10, that's where I think they'll finish. All right, question without notice, and, and we'll give you a qualifier. But right now, do they make the eight? Yes. Oh, wow. That was, that was the longest eight. pause. That was oh, nice. yeah. I, I'm still not convinced. Yeah. Convinced that... there's enough teams. I've got seven teams that are at the moment. Yeah. Fighting with Richmond and maybe Port. For that yeah. Time. Yeah. That was the most pregnant pause in the history of pregnant pauses. <laughs> <laughs> you delivered the baby though eventually. Um, like a plane. I'm going. I'm going middle six, uh, top end of the middle six. Uh, so I've got to ask myself as I'm good. Do they make the eight? I'm going. Same pregnant pause as me. I'm going no. Uh, yeah. I'm going no. Uh, uh, all right, and we'll we'll be roasted for whatever we say there. All right. That's Carlton. Now, uh, let's turn to another club starting with C, which also is often the cause of plenty of uh, speculation. Uh, the Collingwood Football Club, uh, always plenty to talk about with the Pies. Uh, what a fantastic season they had last year under Craig McRae, their 2022 record. 17 wins, eight losses, uh, finish of third, uh, uh, narrowly pipped in that preliminary final by Sydney. Uh, list changes, uh, some really big pickups here. I guess the biggest, clearly, Tom Mitchell traded in from Hawthorne to bolster that midfield. Uh, Billy Frampton uh, coming alive from Adelaide. Uh, I'm going to have to say that name without adding that. It's so cliched. Uh, he's coming from Adelaide. Uh, Bobby Hill um, traded in from GWS. And Oleg Markov is an interesting one. Of course, former Richmond defender picked him up as a supplemental Selection, some uh, draft talent besides that. Uh, out, uh, the uh, Brown brothers uh, delisted. They'll be heading off to make wine now. Couldn't resist that one. Um, uh, the biggest out, obviously, Brady Grundy uh, traded to Melbourne. Ollie Henry uh, traded to Geelong. And uh, Jordan Ruffhead uh, retired. Um, gee, really tough to decide on this. Yeah, look... Fantastic last year, wasn't it? But uh, boy, by the hair on their chinny chin chin, so many times during the year, and I guess there's a feeling: did they overachieve? Uh, how do you see the price? Yeah, it's a, there really are. You know, you make cases for both points that they did overachieve, but they did it consistently, and they did it well. And then the one in the end that they were probably unlucky to lose uh, when they when they lost to Sydney, so in the preliminary final, so. I think they've had good ins. I think Mitchell can be a good in um, as long as he will play his role. And I'm, I'm going to be pretty strong here. I think he can cannot go kick chasing like he does. He loves to stat up. Um, he kicks the ball up the chimney. And if he goes and tries to do that all the time, it's going to be detrimental. So it's really Craig McRae to be able to define his role, which would be win it, which he does very well, and feed it off to the runners. And uh, if he gets outside that... That bracket, I think he'll be a negative for Collingwood. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I still worry. My biggest concern for them is kicking enough goals. Um, their style of play got enough goals, but I don't know if they've got the, the consistent talent up there to be able to kick enough goals. That's going to be my query on them. 
Just a quick one on Mitchell, and you know, and uh, we, we will elaborate on this at some stage this season. But if he's going to be more damaging with his possessions, does that require facilitate a, a change in how he wins the ball or the positions in which he wins the ball? No, I, th- I think him winning the ball is fine, and both of those things are fine. It's about when he gets it, what he does with it. What okay. his mindset is. So, so you're saying at the moment he tends to do a bit too much of the one-two give and receive handball stuff, or well, he kicks it, kicks it out of out of stoppages, kicks it yeah. out, wins it, and just kicks the ball and goes up in the air and goes anywhere. Yeah, Which he can do every now and then, but I think he's got a very good ability to feed off by hands. He's not quick. He doesn't hurt teams by his foot at all, really. Yeah. Uh, so they've got a good outside the Dacos brothers and other people who go who can win their own ball, but. They, on the fly, crisp, feed it off to these players and they will be a very hard team to counter. But if he doesn't do that, it's a negative for them. Another question for you. Dan McStay, uh, you know, he, he's a he's a goer. He, he's honest. I wonder if, you know, maybe being a bit harsh, but is he just a slightly classier version of Brody Myrcek, though? Yes, I agree. I, I think they've got that. Brody Myrcek, to me, has done a really good job, who I see as a third tour, the third string forward, but he ends up playing as the number one forward, which is a big ask, and he does a really good job at that. But McStay is like, it's it was a set of steak knives to me, is be able to come in. Oh, they did years ago with Quentin Lynch and then Jesse White, and it seems that sort of, okay, we'll get a we'll get a taller forward because he's a taller forward. Um mm. Uh, I think at times, like he's got some talent and he'll do okay. I just don't know. If Elliot gets injured, which he's had a history in the past, he was good last year. If one or two of their players like that get injured, I don't know if they will if they can score enough goals to really threaten at the top end. That's a really good point, isn't it? They've had this long production line of sort of, you know, workmanlike, honest, toiling key forwards. It's been a while since Peter McKenna, isn't it? Yeah, it has been. Yeah. <laughs> so they, but I think Majek does a good job. But if, if Cox can do can do his role, that that helps. To me, the most important player, though, Collingwood, and I reckon there's their hole on their list is Darcy Cameron. He's not the mm. best ruckman, but if he goes down, they've got no other ruckman. Yeah. Uh, they're going to struggle. He had a sore calf. He's had a history of injuries. Yep. That's really going to expose them if he if he goes down. Yeah, no, re- re- really good point. And a, a, another obvious one, too, much tougher draw uh, in this season, given their, their finish last year. So uh, prediction for you? I think they'll make top six. Um, don't know about top four, I think, but I, I, th- I think they're a top six side. I'm going to get canned here. I'm going middle six. However, I'm qualifying, I'm saying top of middle six. So I do expect them to make the eight, but I just I wonder if it might be in seventh or eighth. Uh, having said that, you're looking at someone who actually tipped them to win the wooden spoon last year. So uh, I'm just getting in first there before the Collingwood supporters remind me of that. All right, uh, that's the pies. Uh, let's talk about a certain club out the northwestern suburbs way. Hey, guys, if you like the Footyology podcast with Rowan Connolly and Rodney Ede, you'll like the ESPN Footy podcast with myself, Matt Walsh, Jake Michaels, and champion data's Christian Jolly as we break down all the big storylines in the AFL. All right, time to talk about the Essendon Football Club. Uh, well-versed listeners to this podcast will say that's something we do way too much of, so... I'm going to let you take the lead here, Rocket. I'd probably say far too much about this club. Absolutely miserable season in 2022. Seven wins, 15 losses, and a finish of 15th. 
the ins and outs. Well, uh, the uh, sons of Alwyn Davey come into the lineup, Alwyn Davey Jr. and Jaden Davey, um, and some uh, important trade-ins. Will Setterfield, big-body midfielder from Carlton, Sam Wiedemann, key forward from Melbourne. Off the list, uh, notables, Michael Hurley's retired, Devin Smith's retired, uh, Aaron Francis has headed to Sydney. Um, probably the biggest in here, Rocket, the coach, Brad Scott. Um, it's been a long, long time in the wilderness. Entrenched in mediocrity is the favourite phrase about Essendon these days. Can you see Brad Scott as the man to lift them out of it this season? Uh, no. Um, I, I can Okay, see... let's move on. <laughs> no, no, I think on. more of the same. I, I think they've got issues down back with tall defenders. Um, the question I have, and you being an Essendon man might know, those talented tools that they drafted, Reed and Jones and... Cox. Three years ago, yeah, Cox. And, and Cox showed a bit the, the first year. They're the ones that... I, I don't know where their development's been. I know I know uh, Reed's been injured, but they were the hopes of the future has been the pillars either rend and some height, but they seem to be lost at the moment. Well, they're injured. I mean, they're all injured. And this is uh, development has been a, a major issue at Essendon for a long time. And and credit to them, they've addressed that and really beefed up the developmental stocks in terms of coaching and resources. But also the, the medical room and the fitness side of it has been a major issue. And so many of these young guys just cannot get on the park. And Reed's the obvious one, but um, Cox and, you know, in the sort of latter half of last year and Jones they just can't get on the park to the extent where Jones played in that practice game against St Kilda and looked horribly, horribly underdone. You know, Cox still, I'm not sure how far away, but um, there's there's just no durability among their younger players. And that's a major yeah. issue. Yeah. And, and you need to identify that from experience as he, when they're younger and not, not push them forward. I'm not saying they have, but they, they need the right development program. Now these players have lost 12 months. We, we or Essence Sports can't expect much of them this year either because it's going to be a development year. They've really lost the year. They're really now the 19-year-old instead of a 20-21-year-old. So I, back to the whole team, I, I can't see them really, really improving too much at all. I, I think it's going to be a holding pattern. Uh, there'll be frustrations. Whether I don't, I know Brad Scott has said, oh, we're, we're young, we might clear the decks or be patient, but they've been young for a long time. So and they're they're still young. So uh, Essendon can be an impatient club, as we know, uh, as a lot of them are. But uh, I just see more of this. I think they've got to make. Well, Brad's got to make tough decisions on certain players for the way they play. Um, the way they played last week, I thought, was quite a defensive way they playing, and not the modern way of moving the ball quickly, where they just got enough talent to do that, or haven't got enough confidence in that. Uh, they struggle to defend at times. So, yeah, I think uh, they're in a state of flux, to be honest, Rowan, and uh, I think they're going to struggle. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I, you know, I've never thought this list was as good as some people at the club do, um, and particularly the midfield. Uh, even 2021, when, you know, they made finals, I, I didn't think the midfield was as good as some did. Um, deficiencies in nearly all the top liners, with the exception of Zach Merritt, who really is the only genuine A-grader there. Jake Stringer has A-grade talent, but also A-grade inconsistency, which is a real issue. Does he offer the right sort of leadership example? That's a big question mark for mine. Mm. But, you know, that's three midfielders, Merritt, Parrish um, and Shield. 
they're all a bit samey. I think that whole midfield really put him as well. There, yeah, all yeah. They, they they lack balance, don't they? And I think uh, down back is a major major issue. They're just so undermanned down there. So much uh, in the lap of a guy like uh, Brandon Zerk Thatcher, who's played you know essentially a handful of games. Um, so that's a real problem too. I think. Yeah, I think there's going to be some tough times ahead. To be all right, prediction for you. Oh, I've got them bottom six. Um, where they whether they finish bottom two or three, or they finish the top end of that, it'll it'll depend on injuries again. The same with a lot of sides. But be interesting round one when they play Hawthorne. To me, that's going to be. I know it's a grudge match and all those sorts of things. But both teams will be down there, but down in the bottom six. But everyone's expecting Hawthorne to. But if they beat us in the first up, it's. Uh, there might be some uh, might be some noise around the traps. Well, I think Sam Mitchell uh, will. That'll be one he'll have his charges definitely uh, fired up for. No love lost between the two clubs or between um, Sam Mitchell and the Essendon Football Club. I'm I'm going middle six, but bottom of the middle six, and I, I stress that uh, I can see him winning a few more games, but I, I can't see him winning any more than about nine games. So is that enough to get him? Uh, what is the bottom of the middle six? It's 11th or 12th, isn't it? Yeah, even that might be a tad optimistic. Well, it's, but, yeah, um, it's probably probably nine or ten, game, ten games. Hope springs, hope springs eternal. All right, uh, let's head over west of the continent. Let's talk about the Fremantle Football Club. Uh, big hopes for the Dockers after a really good 2022 under Justin Longmuir. 16 wins, 7 losses and a draw. Made finals uh, for the first time in a while and finished 6th. Uh, coming into the mix, Josh Corbett being traded in from Gold Coast. Uh, but the, the big two signings off-season, Luke Jackson... Uh, Premiership Ruckman coming in from Melbourne and uh, star midfielder Jager O'Meara coming in from Hawthorne um, out of the equation. There are some big names out of the mix too. Blake Akers, he's gone to Carlton. Uh, Connor Blakely delisted. Uh, Rory Wobb, he's gone to the Bulldogs. Griffin Lowe gone to North Melbourne. Lloyd Meek gone to Hawthorne. Darcy Tucker to North Melbourne and the ageless warrior David Mundy has finally pulled up the uh, pulled the pin or pulled up the oh, mixing my metaphors there you know whatever you do with your boots he's hanging them up that's what he's doing uh, but a bit of a changing of the guard but still plenty of talent on that list uh, finals last year Rocket can they um, become well can they push towards that top four do you think yeah they've certainly got the capability I think it'll be a year of of consolidation, I think I make the eight again. Um, their um, their midfield, you know, the uh, Sarong and Brayshaw guns. Um, Amira will help in there, even though he's lost a little bit of what he's had as a younger player. He, you know, he's a, he's a bull now. He's he's, he's big body midfield and tough. Uh, so he'll, uh, so he's a replacement for Monday. Probably hasn't got the class on the outside as a Monday. Fife's the other one back. Um, Losing Lob. Now, Lob was hot and cold for me. I don't, you know, he had a couple of games to kick a six, but he was inconsistent. Um, so, Taberner needs to stand up. Uh, whether Corbett can offer that foil. Fife is, they're going to play as a forward. So, that's going to be their uh, question mark for me is to be able to kick enough goals. Um, but if Fife can kick his 40, I think uh, I think it'll be 
about where they were last year and maybe pushing a little bit higher. But uh, I can think their kids are going to improve. They've, they've got a good ruckman, Darcy. Jackson's going to be obviously a plus as well up there to replace Lobb. So, yeah, I, I certainly like Freeman. I, I like what they achieved last year. They, you know, you know, they did well against the Bulldogs in that first one. I got bolt, you know, I got belted the next one. But with a young team, that can, that can be expected as long as they can learn from that. Well, one thing that surprises me in, in a good way is uh, in this year they're they're going to have the fourth youngest list in the competition. So um, I think given the youth, uh, there's relative experience in that youth. And Brayshaw and Sarong, I guess those types are good examples of that, aren't they? So um, you know, there's there's scope for a long term tilt at it here, which sort of backs up what you're saying about concerted improvement. You know, maybe couple of years we see them as real challenges mm. but other potentials for improvement this year is you know obviously a, a a bigger contribution from Nat Fife and and him now having the freedom to sort of play that forward role rather than have to you know save the midfield or, or be the you know sort of problem fixer elsewhere so that's a big plus Michael Walters as well you know um yeah he had the big comeback the last half of last season he sort of lost his way a little bit but uh yeah I think it's interesting cutting lists and that development phase or rebuild, if you like. I think what Longmuir did, he was able to cut the right players of that age and kept the right players. So he didn't cut, like Hawthorne have done, cut right to the bone with all their experience. But now kept Mundy and obviously Fife didn't play a lot, but there was enough around. But he got rid of some, some Deadwood um, who were just supportive roles. And I think as a coach, he can fall for the job. I oh, know he's played 50 games or 80 games. He's better than the one who hasn't, hasn't played any. But he's introduced some kids and they're starting to get some experience and, and they look exciting. Having said that, uh, I wonder if depth might be an issue given now you've got no Akers, Lobb, Logue, Tucker, Meek, Blakely. I mean, whatever you think of them, there's you know half yeah, a dozen yeah, players yeah. who you can yeah. rely on with yeah. injuries, right? Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, and that is that is fair. That, that that's a reasonable point. But I think your point earlier, there's played enough youth over the last two years who now have got even 20 games. Some of them have got 30 and 40 games that um I I I can see they've got enough confidence. I think they've got confidence in the Brayshaws and the Sarongs and the players around them. They're sort of way beyond the years I, I can see. So they're like a 26-year-old, really, in many ways, the way they play. They're, they're, yeah, it's a bit of a uh, list managers would love this. It's a demographic sweet spot, isn't it? When you're age-wise, you're, you're in the youngest sort of third of the competition, but experience-wise, you might be you know, pushing up towards the top. I remember, I reckon that year, 2016 or whatever, with GWS, they were in that sort of spot. They had about like the, still a fourth or fifth youngest list, but in terms of ex- games experience, they're in the top half dozen. Doesn't yeah. happen often, does it? No, it doesn't. And uh, injuries happen, and performance dictates a lot. But uh, no, I, I think they're I think they're heading the right direction. All right, prediction. Um, on the bottom of the top six, the top of the next six, so six, seven, eight, nine. Uh, but I think they'll make the eight. I think they'll make the eight. Yeah, uh, middle six for me, but like you, top of the middle six. This is disturbing. We're agreeing on way too much here. We better manufacture some faux controversy like uh, certain TV football shows are prone <laughs> to do on occasion. Um, all right, all right. Uh, let's head back to the state of Victoria.
Well, let's talk about the standard setters, the Geelong Football Club, reigning premier. What a magnificent 2022 they had, the Cats. 21 wins, just four losses, uh, romping away with the premiership. Uh, massive grand final win over Sydney and have added even further to the stockpile of talent coming into the mix. Jack Bowes from Gold Coast, Tanner Brune from GWS and Ollie Henry, uh, really uh, exciting young key forward from Collingwood. Uh, the outs, uh, well, Joel Selwood, obviously the big one there, and uh, some others. Quentin Narkel DeWisted, uh, Luke Dowhouse, Sean Higgins, both retired. But, uh, well, they're ageless, aren't they, uh, Rocket? Yeah, one of the older sides in history, but just whilst away with the premiership, they've really rewritten the rule book on uh, age and what you can expect out of players of a certain age. And um, I guess this is a bit of a... Uh, a thumbing of the nose at the rest of the comp because they've been doing it for so long and everyone said, oh, come on, you've got to stop and start again. Uh, they don't. I mean, maybe maybe we can get a game for them. But uh, it's interesting. You, you mentioned list managers in the previous club. It's the list managers who uh, and recruiters who do overrate their importance, but the smartest people in the room. But they always say, this is, the, this is our demographics. This is our sweet spot. This is the age. Too old. We can't play old blokes. But I think um, yeah, they have rewritten the, the... And a perfect example is recruiting Isaac Smith. At yep. his age, then he wins a Norm Smith and Grand Final Day. So he's repaid that faith tenfold. Yeah. And, um, so they're smart in how they've cherry-picked people from other clubs. They've obviously got people out of the local league who've come through their rookie list and the Tom Stewarts and all these players uh, that they've done really well. Um, and they've... Um, now with that, Jack Bowes is a great pick to get pick seven in the draft. Um, Tanner Bruin wanted to go home, um, come from Geelong or down that way. So, no, they've done really well. Uh, Cameron and Danger are the two big ones, obviously, who wanted to return to the area. Um, so, no, they've done it really well. And uh, at some stage, it might bite them on the backside. But they've seemed to, I think what they've done really well during the season is Dangerfield and Silver, the older players, probably against what they think themselves, the players, they rest them. So they get, they're getting games to all the youth, all the middle. So if they do get injuries, they're able to put these players in who have played 10, 12 games per year. Um, and I think it's very smart. Oh, it's brilliantly done. And, and you know, what better example than, say, uh, a player like Max Holmes? And as you'll come to know, Rocket, this is a favourite subject for me too, of course. Uh, Max Holmes... Went through school with my son David. I watched him. I literally watched him grow up, kicking a, a footy in the front yard and hitting lace out passes on my son's chest for about thirty metres out at the age of seven. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable talent. Of course, dreadfully unlucky to miss out in uh, that grand final side injured, but just symptomatic of how how good their development's been. Look, the one reservation you might have with the Cats is hunger. Now that they've climbed the mountain, is the appetite there to do it again? But I reckon the fact. You know, they've been so consistently in the top echelon for so long. That sort of answers the hunger question, doesn't it? Right, it does. I think it's more the older players, at some stage, their bodies are going to fail them as far as uh, speed off the mark, their reaction time. Hawkins now is with the back. Does that is that the sign that he that may, uh, on the downward path, Dangerfield to Bull, but I think they handled him really well. Being captain is going to get him to probably take another level with that motivation. Um, so I think a great point of their development has been a Cam Guthrie. Like, 
I would when he first uh, came in, he was seen as a back flanker and probably an outside player, and and they were able to throw him in the midfield. And eventually, he's become a really good midfielder. So they've they've seen that developed him and give him the game to the right time rather than throw him in there too often, uh, too early. Well, the, you could maybe the potential's there to do that with his brother Zach. You know, I mean, I had my doubts about him, but he's become a premiership defender. Maybe he graduates to that role. We've seen uh, Tom Atkins, for example, has been able to play different yes. roles in different yep. areas of the ground. I mean, they're just they're they're an example of a great club, aren't they? And 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 being a great club affects all parts of the operation, but probably most importantly, the development. Um, the the philosophy is strong. They don't deviate from it. The development's strong. You know, everyone knows exactly what's expected of them. It's just a finely tuned machine. And, you know, from your Hawthorne days, well, and to your credit, Western Bulldogs, you know, when they were making those preliminary finals, you get on a roll and, and it's sort of yeah. every, everything looks after itself almost, doesn't it? it does. And I think their, their ability, and probably Stephen Wells and now Andrew Mackey, um, along with the, the you know, coaching staff, the way they pick players, they're like young, close. Um, Stuart, we've mentioned uh, players of that field spot. De Koning's been a good pick, who's now developed really quickly. Obviously, the development program. So they've been up. Stingles a good one from outside. So they've they've cherry picked um, players uh, and done real. Even he's much maligned, but Gary Rowan served a purpose. I know Fred, um, Chris Scott defends him, but it's not the amount of possession he gets it's his speed and obviously the pressure he puts on so they've so they've done really well um as far as selecting players all right prediction for the cats this year well certainly top four oh, in the first six we're going with but uh it'd be hard last not to say they're going to make a preliminary final and uh once you're in a preliminary final anything can happen so that's where i think they'll end yep i got top six and yeah i'm prepared to Sort of go out and not much of a limb, let's be honest. But top four, I think they're a Monty for top four at the very least. Um, all right, let's head up north to uh, one of your old clubs, Rocket, the Gold Coast. A lot of interest in Gold Coast this year after some um, pretty major strides taken in 2022 under Stuart Dew. 10 wins, 12 losses for a finish of 12th. Uh, coming in to the equation, Jed Anderson, former North Melbourne player, Tom Berry traded in from Brisbane, Connor Blakely uh, coming in via the rookie draft, interestingly, Ben Long from St Kilda, um, out of the mix, uh, Jack Bowes, he's headed off to Geelong, Josh Corbett gone to Fremantle, uh, Rory Thompson retired, Isaac Rankin, the biggest out there, he has gone to Adelaide. Well, um, we seem to say this every year, Rocker, but uh, geez, you know, they've got a it's finals or bust now, surely, for Gold Coast, isn't it? Uh, people say that. I, I probably I would think they need to improve, that'd be the first thing. So, with 10 wins, you said they, they should be aiming for 11 or 12 wins. Um, 12 maybe get them in the eight. Um, whether that's whether they get there or not, I think they were exposed a bit on the weekend without Took Miller. Um, um, so you know, King's just coming back, so he'll he'll improve. Um, people talk about Choi Chow and um, Casbold Kaz, is you now they've got a, a dangerous forward line, but they're not superstars. King's King's going to be the focal point. Um, losing Rankin, uh, their defence is solid. Uh, midfield's depending on Miller. Rao just hasn't you know, even the weekend hasn't reached what he did in his first three games. Uh, he's had some injuries, but he's not the player 
that we've come to expect. He, he needs to take that level really. I think if they're going to make the eight, he's the one that needs to stand up. He's the one that needs to go to another level uh, and support Miller. Miller's the one that's taken the mantle, human wits. And I think they depend on those two really to go to the next level. So I want to ask you, what, what has happened to Raul? I mean, you know, it's not like he's fallen off the cliff, but from that incredible debut, like he, he hasn't sort of looked like it since, has he? No, he hasn't. Um, no, he's been solid, but he's getting 18, 20 possessions. He's not getting 30, like Anderson's starting to get. Anderson's starting to take a lot. He, he seems that, you know, he's a solid guy. And he's not a great kick. He's an okay kick. He doesn't tear games apart like a danger, but he hasn't got that speed out of packs. Um, he seems to be getting tackled more uh, in a contest rather than what he should be able to. So whether he needs to feed the ball off or be able to try and break that tackle, because he doesn't, he's got power, but he doesn't seem to have that burst of speed to get out and, and actually damage things. But he's a hardworking guy. It seems to me, unless he can take his game to another level, he'll be that solid midfielder who you can depend on, but it's not going to be a game-breaker. One query for me, I mean, the likes of, you know, I don't want to sort of pick on this guy, but Lukosius, for example, a guy who's been there for quite a while now and yeah. and fair player, but do they exert enough of a leadership presence beyond Jared Witts, who I reckon is an absolute warrior, but Witts and Miller aside, you know, is there enough sort of people in that list who will take a game by the scruff of its neck and say, I'm going to drag you over the line? I, I doubt it. No, I think Swallow did. Oh, uh, Swallow, yeah, fair enough. But, yeah. But I think I think David's uh, battle-wearied. I think he's, you know, his body and he, he can't do what he used to be able to do. And that's where Rao needs to, to probably take that role. Uh, I'll see where they want to play Lacosha's forward and he was disappointing on the weekend. I know he started as a forward as a junior, but to me, I think when they played him down back, he was so much better because he's such a good kick and he's got less pressure on him. Um, maybe he doesn't compete enough with his opponent at times, but I think that's his spot. I think that's his spot to be able to do that. What about another structural one for you? Um, I mean, obviously King coming back is massive in, but does it, will that potentially disturb the balance of the key forwards? Last year, we saw Chol and Casbolt sort of worked well in tandem. Can that tandem become a trio or will they end up getting in each other's way? I don't think the other two are talented enough to work in with King to make the three work, in yeah. my, my opinion. So what will have what will happen? What would you do? Well, well, I think it'll be depending on form. Um, Joel probably got more of uh, an advantage because he can ruck uh, to relieve wits, uh, but it's, at times it may work because um, uh, Casbolt to me has got to play deep. He plays the centre half forward. He, he he's running ability. You know, his big big legs he's got. He's not going to be able to cover the territory. Joel hasn't got the footy smarts. I don't think as a centre half forward. So they they're all of them are on the on the full forward line. So I yeah. don't think the three of them are going to work. All right, prediction from you for the Gold Coast? I think it'd be bottom of the middle six again for me. I think they're looking at 10 or 11 wins. Um, if they get injuries to the wrong blokes, like all teams, they may be able to drop a spot or two, but I can't see them challenging for the eight, to be honest. Yeah, middle six for me as well. I don't think we've had one different uh, prediction yet there. Uh, do you like my Jared Healy reference there too? The Gold Coast, uh, and uh, just <laughs> as, as well place, as a place uh, rather than a football. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> just as well I went with that Jared Healy definition of the Gold Coast, and not that infamous one he did on TV all those years ago. And a big hello to Jared. 
if you're watching, uh, that's on YouTube, that footage, by the way. Uh, all right, let's head to another of Jared's favourites, the GWS. Greater Western Sydney, well, uh, uh, time of rebuilding, really, for the Giants. Uh, lots changed since that 2019 grand final appearance. Miserable 2022 for them. Just six wins, 16 losses, and a finish of 16th. A new coach, Adam Kingsley, after a long, long apprenticeship, getting that deserved coaching opportunity. Ins and outs, uh, well, loading up on draft talent there. Toby Bedford, I guess the best-known name coming from Melbourne. They did, of course, have a number-one draft pick, Aaron Cadman, very highly rated. Out, uh, Tanner Bruin, he's off to Geelong. Jacob Hopper to Richmond. Tim Taranto to Richmond. Bobby Hill to Collingwood. Wow, it's a fair bit of talent going out of the mix, Rocket. Um, it's clearly a major rebuild happening here for the Giants. Um, they're going to have to be patient, aren't they? Yeah, they are, but uh, but they showed a bit on the weekend. I know it's only a practice match, uh, but against the Gold Coast Suns, who really only had Miller out, um, and they win by six or seven goals. I see the biggest change is their game plan. Um, I thought they were really stodgy. I think the one asset they've always had is their running ability and excitement, but they've seemed to go back to defend with the ball in hand and go around the boundary and go slow, um, and that took their biggest asset away. And I think... Kingsley seems to have got them playing fast footy back themselves, which is going to cost them at times. Um, losing that talent looks bad on paper, but they've still got a lot of talent there. Um, and that's probably the one negative or you can look at the positive. They get access to draft picks because they've got a trade pass because of salary cap. So I think it's a re it's a reassessment of their salary cap. And that's why they've unfortunately had to move these players on, but they've still got some really good players. Um, I, I, I think they can be exciting and play some exciting footy. I, I guess one scope for uh, a better year than perhaps a lot of people think is uh, getting more out of those remaining senior players because they've, they've lacked durability, a lot of those senior guys, haven't they? Cornelio and uh, you know, Whitfield and Kelly, for example. They they do miss their share of games. So, I mean, if they can just keep them on the park a bit more and uh, yeah. get a bit more out of them, that's obviously going to help. Oh, there's no doubt. Whitfield had a, a bad year last year. We know he's a class player. Canelio stood up a bit last year. He's been disappointed the previous two years. Um, so he's he stood up. I think Taylor's a good defender who's who's improving. So they've got the they've got the core basis of a good side. I think the key to not a key, but a player who needs to get his act together and not play a potential and not be crazy like he has and get reported time is Braden Proust. He needs to, if he can play most games, it's going to give him that. Mumford aggression in there that's controlled, a big presence. And then you've got support of Flynn and the other guys as Ruckman rather than them being the number one. And I think he can be a key that can help their midfield if he if he can 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 control his stupid aggression at times. And I think if he can do that, I I you know, I think they'll be okay. I want you to put your coaching hat on now. Adam Kingsley, uh very highly regarded, been in a system a long time. What sort of coach do you think he will be? Uh, you mean as in... A, a style of coach, yeah. A style of coach, is it, rather than style of play? Yeah. Well, both, both. Yeah. Well, it seems like there'll be the modern... I think he'll bring the Richmond model, obviously, forward forward movement, forward handball. Let's get the game going. Let's, you know, goals are in front of us. Let's not go sideways and let's, and let's not muck around with it, which I think is good. You need to do that. Um, 
I think he'll have take some tactics out of that, what he's learned at other teams. But I think he'll be dealing on the positives with players and dealing what they what they can do rather than what they can't do. All right. Uh, prediction for the Giants? I think there'll be middle six. Wow. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I think there'll be middle six, but probably the bottom of that middle six, maybe 10 to 12, 10 to... I mean, 13's in the bottom six, but mm. they might be the top of that of the bottom six, but I think they'll be around about there. Well, I think, people, we have officially our first big call of this show. Uh, I mean, it's all things relative, but I think given the amount of talent they've lost uh, and the low expectations, even saying middle six is a fair advance on where most people will have them. I'm, I must say I'm with the majority here, bottom six for me and quite potentially bottom two or three, but uh, I don't think that would necessarily mean a shocking season. It's all about development for them. Speaking of which, um, let's talk about, uh, well, your old stamping, stomping ground as a player, Rocket, the Hawthorne Football Club. Well, definitely rebuild time also for the Hawks, um, who in 2022 finished in 13th spot with eight wins and 14 losses. A lot of list changes here. The notable wins, Carl Amon coming across from Port Adelaide as a free agent. Lloyd Meek uh, coming over from Fremantle as a ruckman. Cooper Stevens, young Geelong player, also joining the mix. Uh, The outs, um, bigger Ticket items in the uh, the ends. Jack Gunston, he's off to Brisbane. Carl Hardigan delisted. Daniel Howe delisted. Ben McAvoy retired. Tom Mitchell off to Collingwood. Jake O'Meara off to Fremantle. Tom Phillips delisted. Liam Shields, uh, he's off to North Melbourne. What a mass exodus of talent that is. Um, well, I've been talking about the Hawks rebuilding for a long time now. It actually has happened, Rocket. Uh they are pretty overwhelming favourites to the wooden spoon. Um, where do you reckon they're going to finish? Oh, I think they'll finish the bottom six and probably the bottom three. I um, I think their biggest problem is going to be if they get injuries. Yep. Not even the lack of depth. is just the lack of body presence to be able to protect the younger players. Like they, their midfield showed a bit on the weekend in the final practice match. Uh, they've got some talent. There's no doubt about that. I think... Uh, Last year, I was quite impressed with their tactics at times. I think for most games, they were in most games. They got beaten in a quarters or got smashed in a quarter. They blew it out. So I think I think that'll win them some games. I don't think they'll get as many games as they did last year. I think they did exceptionally well last year. Mm. I, I, was, I was pleased with the way what they achieved. Um, I think they'll go back a bit this year because of the exodus of senior players. But if they got injuries to, like they've got Mitch Lewis out now, that's going to hurt them. Yeah, if they lose a, a key player or a player who's got some body strength, it's going to expose them. Like like they lost Sicily, it'd be a really big blow for them. So um, I so I've got them bottom two or three. I, I I don't think they'll finish last. I think I think North can do can win that again. Um, but uh, but I, I think they'll be down there. But I I wouldn't be surprised at times that they give some teams a, a fright. To be honest. Your predecessor on this podcast and I last year were both reasonably bullish about them. Uh, And I I haven't changed on that because I I really like uh, some of their kids. I mean, I I love Newcomb, um, you know, uh, Ward, Day, uh, Warple. I I think, you know, it's funny how people have gone off Warple a bit, but I I still think he's... Well, at least one player's got to stand up, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He hasn't reached that high for whatever reason, whether it's... 
Uh, I don't know. There might be reasons for that. But he needs to, now with the exodus of Mitchell and O'Meara, he needs to, he, along, and he, he should be more than Newcomb. He should take the number one mantle as a number one midfielder and accept that responsibility. Yeah, no, fair, fair. I mean, this was going to be my point that um, they were vulnerable enough last year when they lost a few players. Uh, have a look at the departure of, you know, McAvoy, Gunston, O'Meara, Mitchell, Shields, Hardigan, Howe, Phillips. How vulnerable are they now in the loss of just one or two players? And you mentioned Sicily being the obvious one, but, you know, even someone like Jarth or, um, you know, one of those more talented young players. Well, they, they lost Newcomb, they lost Newcomb or Warpool or that their midfield's more exposed for body size. It's just about protecting the bodies of youngster play, young players. Yeah. And and, and that and that that midfield is the most vulnerable part, isn't it? I mean, it's basically led now by Newcomb and, and Warpool. God, I mean, they you know, come up against some of the stronger midfields in the competition, it could be ugly. That's right. You've got Petraka and um uh, Oliver and uh, Harms, you know, bigger bodies. It's uh, you get tackled really hard. It does wear you down, and that's that's what I think they'll start really well. That's what I think first game they can beat Essendon, but I think by round six, seven, eight, it'll it'll the grind of it week in and week out is going to wear them down, and and probably by the end of the season, I think they could be struggling a little bit. So is there a, a, a suggestion here that they've stripped two bear? I mean, we remember Melbourne doing that you know, 10 years ago, and it really set them back a few years because they just had nothing, you know? Yeah. I think it, we say that Geelong have rewritten the recruiting and uh, the list management, uh, whether this rewrites that. But history shows and experience, my experience is having been too young, uh, they don't know what to do when there's tough situations. Mm. So they need leadership. They need players to be able to calm and, and also show the way. And also to take some body heat, like Amira would um, be able to be able to brace and and stay physical in a game where younger. I'm not saying these younger players won't be able to do it, but they won't be able to do it consistently week in and week out because the grind will get them down. They'll get injuries, sore bodies. So to answer your question, yeah, I think they may have just cut a little bit too deep too early. All right, uh, your call on where the Hawks finish. Bottom of the bottom six, so the last three. So probably. Probably second or third last. Yep, same again. Me too. Um, what was that guy on that English sitcom? Uh, the guy that said, "I'll have half," or you know, one. Me too. One. That's. I'll, I'll, I'll just keep doing that. The rest of this podcast. Oh, well, well, one different on the GWS. Ah, uh, true, true, true. Uh, true show. Uh, all right, we're halfway through our review of the clubs' uh, seasons in twenty twenty three. Let's go get down to the second half of the competition, alphabetically speaking. Let's talk about Melbourne. Uh, Premier's 2021 straight sets exit from the finals last year. Still pretty good season overall. 16 wins and eight losses for a finish of fifth. Uh, who's come into the mix? Uh, well, Brady Grundy, the biggest in here, uh, picked up from Collingwood. Lockie Hunter joining the Demons from the Western Bulldogs uh, out. Well, Jaden Hunt, he's off to West Coast. Luke Jackson uh, headed off to Fremantle. Sam Wiedemann uh, headed to Essendon. Um, they're clearly not far off the pace, Rocket. I wonder if people are, are downgrading him a bit too heavily just on the back of a disappointing finish to last year. I reckon if you look at their body of work across two seasons, it's pretty damn impressive. I think they're a, a big flag threat again. What do you reckon? Oh, I agree with you on that. We're, we're on the same page again. I think they'll improve. You talked about motivation earlier. 
I think they'll be highly motivated. I think uh, they'll bounce back though. When their premiership year was on the back of motivation from the previous preliminary final, I got belted. And um, I think they're disappointing last year. They had a great strong start the year as in wins, but you could see signs even though they were winning, they weren't, they weren't playing that well. I think uh, the Gorn-Grundy combination was a bit overplayed last week because they're only playing on kids up forward. Um, so I wouldn't be get too carried away yet, but I think that can be a real plus for them. Um, the motivation for me will be the one. I think they're you know, highly talented in, in every area of the ground. Ben Brown's a concern. I'm not, but with the Ruckman playing there a bit more, well, that'll take the pressure off him. Tom McDonald back will help that as well. Um, yeah, I can see them certainly being top four. I, I, they, now, and their defence is fantastic. You know, they're, they're three pillars there. Uh, really organise it really well behind the ball. Um, and the, their players play their role really well. So I, I can see them being a real threat. You mentioned Ben Brown. He's an interesting one, isn't he? Because, um, you know, it doesn't seem to take a lot to really turn people off him. But going back to 2021, I thought he ended up being the difference. He, his presence and ability oh, to chip right. in. Oh, oh, yeah, very much. And that's what he needs to do. He doesn't need to... I think we're going to take the heat off him publicly... Mm. saying well, he's the main man. Well, he's not. He's yeah, not. yeah. He, he dropped marks on the weekend. He doesn't tackle. He's very poor on the ground. He's got a lot of deficiencies, but his positives can be a real positive. Like he can kick a goal. He's he's that rangy, tall player that's hard to match up. But if you're playing as your key, gets the best defender, he's, I don't think. But if you've got your Ruckman down there, uh, you've got Frith uh, as well. I think he can get up the ground and play a different role. I think relief the pressure, he can be a, a good foil for them. They've still got selection pressure too, haven't they? Because I know there's big expectations on uh, Jacob Van Ruyen. Um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, some people think he, he may overtake Brown and in that same way that Wiedemann, I guess, kept that selection pressure on. So that's a key. But uh, for me, it's you know, it's all about the midfield and, and the Petrarca-Oliver combination. And now having that fed by a great ruck tandem. Isn't this a great um, litmus test for the worth of Ruckman, isn't it? I can see Mick Malthouse sitting there all year begging the Grundy-Gorn thing to fall over so he can finally be proven right that Ruckman aren't worth anything. Yeah. It's a thing with the Ruckman. It's interesting, and some coaches are like that, that they're overrated. But if you haven't got at least a good competitor in there, you can get smashed. So, and you're playing makeshift in there just really but. I can see the point here. Unless you've got a really, really good one like a Gorn or a Grundy, it, it can be overrated. But if you've got a really bad one or physically can't compete, you can get smashed in there. And um, so uh, having two quality ones, it'll be a real juggling act to keep them both happy. Well, do you think the thing with them too, I reckon with Ruckman these days, it's as much about their influence around the ground as the actual tap work. And I think both Grundy and Gorn exert plenty of influence around the ground, don't they? They do, but they're both very good craft with their hit hit zones. And so their midfielders have got real confidence now, had it in max, but now we're grundy about where the ball's going to be hit. They can be on the, they can be proactive consistently. So that's going to really be able to tell in numbers as as in clearances from stoppages. All right, prediction for the demons. Uh certainly top six. I reckon top four. I reckon top four. They'll make top four. Well, this is getting boring, but that's exactly what I was going to say. And the uh, good thing is, Rocket, I think we've both each got now about seven teams in that top four. Um, <laughs> how, how that works out come the February finals, I'm not sure. But that's the beauty of predictions. 
All right, uh, let's head now to uh, a side that might actually be down the other end of the ladder. Let's talk about North Melbourne. It's been a tough few years for the Roos. Uh, two wins only in 2022, 20 losses and a wooden spoon. Uh, the biggest in, of course, none other than the coach, Alistair Clarkson, uh, premiership coaching legend for flags to his name and he's come back to play with the club at which he made his name as a player coming into the mix a lot of draft talent Harry Sheasel of course uh, the biggest among them number three draft pick William Shields coming in from Clarko's old club at Hawthorne Darcy Tucker joining the throng from Fremantle out of the mix Jed Anderson Atu Bosnavalagi they're gone of course the biggest name off here for the Roos, Jason Horn francis number one draft pick, gone after one season to Port Adelaide. Jared Pollock also delisted. Well, we can't expect much from the Roos. They're young, uh, don't have enough talent on the books as of yet. The coach, well, uh, if he can work some miracles here, uh, he really will be one of the storied coaches in the history of the game, Rocket. What uh, what do you reckon the most the Roos can expect this season? Um, I think the biggest improvement will come where Clarkson have an effect is they won't have as many beltings. So the, it'll be the margin they lose by will be less and they'll be more competitive and stay in games for longer. Mm. I don't know if that'll equate to more wins. Uh, that's going to be my question on them, which I think that'll come. I think he'll set a base and a foundation for being competitive. Even though Hawthorne, when he was coaching, they scored a lot. It was on the back of defence. Is on the bench. It wasn't contested ball. Hawthorne, when they won their flags, were in the bottom two or three of contested ball. Everyone said contested ball's king. Well, I think that proved that it, it's not. There's other things that have to go with that. They were great defensive side as putting pressure and turnover. They scored on turnover. I think he'll try and do the same with North Melbourne. Try and generate run from the back and let's score on turnover, but sure up our defence. Uh, so I think they'll be close to the bottom again, but their percentage. Uh, and staying in games will be the telling factor. Well, to that end about defence, and, and remiss of me not to mention uh, the likes of these guys, but the recruiting is interesting. I mentioned Sheasel, but um, you've got Griffin Logue coming in, so big-bodied defender. Uh, Daniel Howe from Hawthorne, uh, big body, you know, not necessarily that accomplished, but can play a role. Liam Shields, very accomplished, but a defensive Midfielder, They're, those three all have strong defensive qualities, yes. don't they? Yeah, they, they, they do. And I think Darcy Tucker will be a reasonable. Yeah. Like, yeah. He'll just add add a, add a bit to them. Um, so I, I think they've got the makings starting to get the bones off. Phillips, young kid who didn't play last year because chronic fatigue. He was the their first round pick the year before. There's another midfielder power. So these players will keep developing. So I think they'll, they'll develop a good midfield and they've picked around the edges bodied players, as you say. So I think that'll help, that'll help them. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the skies will be looking okay for them. The one interesting thing for Clarko is, just going back to his start at Hawthorne, the the one major difference here is that when he started at Hawthorne, he had already had that crop of draft talent ready to go, didn't he? Franklin Ruffhead, uh, Lewis, et cetera. He's probably a year behind here, isn't he? He might have to wait a year to sort of really hit the draft. and You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree. And I I think if they can be competitive uh, for most games and stay in it, I think the the you know the ladder that will suit them is the percentage. If they can end up with 80 to 85% to 
close to 90. That means they're in games. They haven't been belted. Uh, get a few wins along the way. And I think even if they finish last, whoever finished last, there's a kid next year that is there's the next Dustin Martin, they reckon, as a midfielder. So there's there's good pickings coming forward. And, um, yeah, so that's what I would do. I know Alice is a competitor and he'll want to win every game he can, as you do as a coach. But I, I think as a North supporter, if you can see signs of Mark improvement, especially in individuals, I think it'll be a win for them. Yeah, you, what you're talking about with percentage, it reminds me a bit of Paul Ruse's approach at Melbourne when he started there. Also on individuals, geez, they're not bereft of talent. And even in the practice hitouts, I watched both of theirs. And I, I, I really like a guy like Paul Curtis. I mean, he really showed something last year, I thought. But uh, Charlie Combin too, he was one who sort of caught my eye during the practice game. So they're... They've got plenty of talent there, and um, yeah, it'll be about nurturing that and, and then hitting the draft hard again. It's it's a long-term project, but Clark has shown that he's a coach who's prepared to take yeah. the long term and deliver the results. Yeah, and I think those younger players you mentioned, not many people know about them because mm. we don't see North that often or you don't watch the North game. So, you know, you know the Curtis shows a bit. So, yeah, I think I think they'll improve and surprise some teams. They may win more games than I'm saying as well, but uh, yeah, uh, but I think they're heading the right path. We watch all the games here at uh, Footyology Rocket because no, we we I'm don't actually. Saying, I'm saying general people, the public, not us. Well, you mean the less dedicated football people and uh, <laughs> those that actually have a life beyond football. Um, all right, prediction from you for the Roos. Uh bottom six for me, and in in the bottom three. Um... Yeah. Uh, ditto again. Uh, all right, let's head west to, uh, not all the way west, but let's head to South Australia. Port Adelaide, their 2022 record, 10 wins, 12 losses. They finished 11th. Um, ins for them, Junior Rioli, uh, Premiership player from West Coast, uh, the uh, biggest fish there. Oh, no, probably the biggest fish, in fairness. Uh, former number one draft pick, Jason Horn francis uh, going back to South Australia after just one year with the Ruse uh, offs. Carl uh, Eamon, he's gone to Hawthorne. Uh, the great Robbie Gray retiring. Stephen Motlop retiring as well. So uh, some familiar older faces no longer there at Port. Uh, not huge list changes there. Obviously, very um, keen eyes looking at how Horn Francis goes in his uh, home state, hopefully a bit more settled. Uh, what do you make of Port this year, Rocket? Yeah, more or so. I was, I, was, I was disappointed in the amount of wins they had last year. Yeah. Um, I think the poor start, and they were in games and just couldn't quite get across the line. So uh, they're still going to rely on Dixon, who's 32 now, Boak has been a great midfielder, but he's 33. So they're getting up in age in that area. So the, the Rosies and Dersmers and these younger players have been there four or five. They've got to take over. They, they, they've got to be their main players. Um, yeah, I think their big chance was last year, and I don't think they took it. I, I can't see them super improving this year. Horn Francis will be a good player from down the track. But for me, he, he, he missed a year of learning last year. He's going to have to now be like his first year and learn. What, what's required and play different positions. So I wouldn't be relying on him. Um, so, yeah, I think they're going to be more of the same. I don't think uh, they're going to challenge really at the top end of the of the ladder. I guess the encouragement would be that, you know, you, you mentioned shocking start, uh, lost their first five games. I mean, after that, they went 10 and 7. Uh, did finish with a pretty handy percentage 
of 110 for a side that missed out on finals. So it showed they were very competitive at least most weeks. Um, losing that seniority, you know, Gray, obviously his best was passed. Uh, ditto Motlop. Yeah, the age thing in the midfield worries me a bit. You know, is the midfield a bit too reliant on a, you know, a, a, a Boker or Wines? Um, and we're still talking probably for a third or fourth year about the younger guys, e.g. Rosie, uh, Dersma, Butters, uh, having to step up and, and do more. And we saw that with Rosie in the midfield, didn't we? But those yeah. guys now really have to become the senior players. And um, really, it's almost a bad sign if Boak is their best player now. We need Rosie and Dersma Yes. Um, and Butters, and not just one of them, but all three to step up and become the three best players in that list, correct? Yeah, exactly. And, they, and their forward line without Dixon, obviously, you know, in the Georgiatis is a talent, Marshall's a talent, but but Charlie gives them that physicality, that you know, that you know, big body presence to take the heat off. And Charlie's 32 and he's had the bad ankle and he's had some injuries and he's he's actually soldiered on pretty well, I think, but he... Uh, it, can he stand up every week or most weeks? And I think they'll need that. And uh, I just got enough question marks. I don't know if they've progressed from last year. Now, uh, there's a sameishness about them, isn't there? I, I wouldn't say necessarily vanilla, but you, you're looking at it and thinking, well, where's the improvement going to come from? And, and as we mentioned, it's got to be those young stars whose names we've mentioned now for several years. They really do have to elevate as a group or you know, one of those other guys sort of comes from the clouds and, you know, is it a Georgiati sort of, he's he's shown those cameos, he can be potentially brilliant. Marshall made a big improvement last year. Can he take another improvement of that ilk? But it's yeah. going to take something like that, isn't it? And I, I'd, I'm sceptical whether enough players yeah. are capable of improving. Yeah. I think it's more of the same. As you said, they're certainly, not van- they're certainly not vanilla. They are a competitive bunch and they do compete really well. But... Uh, I just think they lack a bit of setup from down back. Um, they they just compete. Um, so I think I think the other teams will improve enough that they'll be about the same as last year. All right. Uh, okay. I'm middle six for me. Prediction. Where have you got them? Yeah, I've got a middle six again. So I've got nine. So they've been finished tenth or eleventh. That's where I've got them. We're heading to Punt Road, Rocket, and uh, I've been a big supporter of the Richmond Footy Club over the last few years, and uh, I'm not ready to jump off yet. I reckon they are a very, very big flag chance again. Love the recruiting. Let's talk about last year quickly. Finished seventh, knocked out in the first week of the finals after 13 wins, nine losses, and a draw. But the ins and outs significant, and uh, no bigger ends uh, than the GWS pair, Jacob Hopper and Tim Taranto. And boy, I reckon just those two players can make a massive difference. Out of the mix, uh, Caddy retired, uh, Kane Lambert retired, Sydney Stack and Jake Arts delisted. Um, but Dustin Martin back and fit, uh, a, a deeper midfield, less reliance on on some ageing stars. Uh, oh, geez, I, I reckon they're very much in the premiership mix, Rocket. Are you as bullish or not? No, not at all. I'm uh, the other end, so we're uh, disagreeing here. So, okay. Um, yeah, I can see them missing the eight. Wow. Okay. They may, may make it, uh, but I can. I just think Rewalt's probably just one year too much. Cotchin one year too long. I think Martin can, if he get 
he looks good at the moment, so he can have a good year. I worry about their defence. Grimes has been injured, and I don't think he's a player he was. Tarrant's injured again, and I think he's tipped over the hill. Uh, Bolter is not a bad player. I'm not as big a... I think Taranto's a great player. I'm not as big a hot on um, Hopper as being an, an A-grader. I think he'll help their depth in the midfield um, playing. So uh, I think with injury, Prestia is a really good player, but he's injured again. We can't count on Dion being there. Uh, Lynch gets injured a bit. He's now getting up towards uh, the age where... So I've got enough doubt on them. I, I, I think that they living on past glory. I think teams have worked them out. I don't think there uh, will be a threat for the premiership. Um, maybe maybe can push like they did last year for seventh or eighth. Yeah, I can see that being clipped up and a new story being made out of that. They can run with it. Uh, yeah, no, no, you, you're certainly not shying away from it. Um, well, I'll, I'll try and justify why I think uh, alternately to that. I, I think there were some considerable pluses out of last year despite the finish. Um, I really like the uh, the um, emergence of a guy like Cumberland. I thought he was really impressive. I thought uh, Rioli, um, the forward pressure he added to the mix when he became part of that best 22, I thought was really important. I mean, you're talking about uh, they probably should have won that elimination final up at the Gabba and then who knows where they finished last year and are people who doubt them looking at them a bit differently. I see what you mean about Rewalt, but I then go back to 2017 when basically Rewalt was the sole uh, key target and they had a, a bevy of smalls. Well, does Lynch just become that and Jack sort of can help in, in more subtle ways without necessarily having to rely on him for goals? I can see them manufacturing the same sort of pressure game that they did in 2017 when what was ostensibly a weakness in terms of personnel actually became a strength. And we saw the emergence of guys like... Castagna and even late in the piece, a, a Jacob Townsend. Uh, you know, Sonsi's another one who I think is impressive. And I love Bolter as a key defender, and I reckon he can really be important for them. Um, and I think a Tarrant can still contribute as well. I like their methodology. I, I like the philosophy. Um, I like their pressure. Uh, I, I still think they're very... And I've just got a feeling about Dusty. I reckon Dusty's got one more up yours left in him to the um, the doubters rocket. So uh, I, I am very bullish about them. Um, and uh, for me, uh, yeah, definite top six and I can see them top four and I can see them perhaps even more than that. So this is going to be the, uh, the, the team that separates us, I think, but uh, our definite top six for me, the Tigers. And uh, where have you got them? I've got a middle six. Um, maybe the, top of the middle six. Okay. Do do they make the eight or not? Well, uh, between them and Carlton for me, yeah, make the eight. So I'll put that out there. So whoever injured injuries and help and whatever the case may be. So I've said Carlton, yes. So Richmond, no. All right. You heard it first. Uh, all right. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about St Kilda, uh, 2022 record, 11 wins, 11 losses, and a finish of 10th. Uh, biggest in for the Saints, no question. The coach, Ross Lyon, coming back for a second stint in charge of the Saints. Um, in terms of players, uh, Zane Cordy coming across from the Western Bulldogs. Liam Stocker picked up from Carlton. Uh, the rest, draft stocks, really, uh, out. 
Jaron Geary retired. Dan Hanabry retired. Dean Kent retired. Uh, ben Long traded to Gold Coast. Paddy Ryder retired. Uh, looking at the list, Rocket, not seeing quite enough to inspire me that Ross Lyon can do what he did last time with the Saints. Well, certainly not initially anyway, which makes it quite a different mission for Ross from what we're used to. Can he rebuild a list and and build it up again? What do you think? Yeah, I think that's the question. I don't think the list is is strong enough. I think, to be honest, and this is where clubs, I'm not saying security, but clubs in general maybe overrate. You're talking about overrating your list earlier on with one of the clubs. Internally, do you overrate? I think Brett Ratton did pretty well with what he had at his disposal, to be honest. And I don't think it's a great list. Um, not that that's the be all and end all either, but it does help. Um, I, yes, I've, I've got some doubts about them this year. I think uh, Lyon will improve de- defensively. Um, they'll have a system in place, which will they'll all buy into, but whether they can score enough goals, that's uh, memories out early, uh, Kings out. Uh, even with them, I I, I, I like Tim Memory as a player. King's got a, some real kicking issues. He doesn't convert enough. Uh, you can't rely on him in that way. Um, so for me, uh, the support for Steele in the midfield, um, maybe not enough either. So they've, they've, you know, they've certainly got some queries. They're one of those teams, aren't they, where the, you know, the list is thin enough so that any number of injuries really knocks them around and, and and they're up against it already. As you say, Membry and King, I mean, you could barely think of two players who they could least afford to lose, certainly not at the same time. Uh, my other query here is uh, leadership. Um, now, Jack Steele, no question, he's one of the best leaders going, but does he have enough support? You know, their senior players are the likes of Brad Hill, Seb Ross, Jack Billings, you know, like, I mean, you look with and, all due... And he's injured too. He's out for a while, Billings as well. Good point. But, I mean, yeah, and, and with all due respect to him, you know, Jack Billings, 150 gamer. Does he carry himself like a 150 player? Does he lift and lead aside like your, your, your classic 150 game player? I wouldn't have thought so. No, no, I, I agree. And I think he's he's the one, I know he's injured at the moment, but Billings is... One of those players is such an early draft pick needs to be able to have more impact on games consistently. And I just don't think, I think they've got a bevy of players that are a little bit unknown and uh, have got some talent. Um, I think Jack Sinclair's taking his game to another level. Um, there's some players like that. They need to find another three or four of the Jack Sinclair's in and around who are a half forward or are wingers who can jump up to be good players. Really interested in your take on the coach too now. Uh, we know he's very defensively minded. Um, it worked brilliantly with St Kilda last time around, but that was a much more senior and established list. The game has moved on. It's become a quicker, more attacking game. Do you think Ross is able, going to be able to adapt enough to change his spots enough, or are we going to see the same Ross line we saw in charge of St Kilda and Freo? Um, no, I think he'll change. I think he'll modify. I'll still be based on defence. I think it'll be based like the Clarkson model where you base your defence around turnover. So once you get the turnover, then you go quickly. We're probably in the past, Ross has had turnover, then they'd control the ball and be slow and they're methodical in the way they move the ball, where I think it'll be a bit more, because they've got a bit of speed and um, have some speed off halfback and be able then to transition the ball quickly on the back of turnover. So 
I think it'll still be defended. I don't think they'll defend with ball in hand uh, as much as they used to in the past. So, okay, yeah. I mean, they, they do have some running power, doesn't they? It's almost their, their greatest asset going into this season, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And that scares teams. It can expose you, can expose you on turnover yourself back the other way. So you need to set up really quickly if you don't do that. But that one wouldn't, it's about what I spoke about GWS earlier years ago. That scares teams. It scares them so they can run, they can move the ball. How do we stop it? So it's all about coaches by nature are very defensive. How do we stop the opposition? When a team moves the ball quickly, like the Collingwood did, and it's held a skill, it's like, what do we do? So that it puts some fear in the opposition because players end up, the way they've been coached the last five, 10 years, is they're robots. I mean, this is your role. This is where you play. This is your plot of turf. This is where you stand. This is what you've got to do. And everything's controlled where the helter-skelter footy takes that away. And players have got to think for themselves. So you've got to educate and train players differently. And I think having that fast play that's in Kilda God, I don't think they should lose that. because And it's going to cost them some games and it's going to cost them some goals. But, but don't lose that. Um, I think to have that as the number one would. Prediction. Oh, I think bottom six, but the top end of the bottom six, maybe the bottom of the middle six will be for me. So 11, 12, 13, 14. I think I got that. Was that the bottom of the top of the middle six? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why I went with numbers at the end. Yeah. 11, 12, 13, I'm confusing myself here. I've got bottom six, but the top of the bottom six. Uh, yeah, we've we've done a few clubs there. No, but uh, bottom six for yeah. me for the Saints. Uh, all right, uh, let's head north of the border. Let's talk about Sydney. Uh, terrific 2022 for the Swans, of course. Uh, Runner-up to Geelong, 18 wins and seven losses this season record. Um, steady as she goes, really, on the list front. Aaron Francis coming in from Essendon, uh, could play a key role in that defence. Uh, out of the mix, uh, Josh Kennedy, what a warrior he's been, finally hanging up the boots. Uh, Sam Naismith delisted, Ben Ronke delisted, uh, Callum Sinclair has also retired. Uh, gee, they've got some great kids and they've got some ageless warriors still in the mix. And uh, ageless coach too in John Longmire, Um Boy, he's got a great record and been extended again. Uh, no reason for for mine why the Swans can't go one better and win the flag this year. Rocket, how do you see them? Yeah, I think they'll be in the mix again. I think John's done a terrific job with the kids over the years, bringing youth in. Um, they, they were quite on the old side years ago, and I think he's done uh, really well with that. And some of the kids, like, you know, Goulden had a great game last week, and the talent he's got. So players like him and Campbell and those guys have been, um, uh, Oliver Florent and no, Ollie Florent. No, those guys have been around for three, four, five years. They're the ones that you would hope and would think that they'll take, take the next step like, um, uh, other players uh, before them have, have done that. So, well, can I just mention two more? Cause I mean, for my, for me, uh, the, the pick of those young players, Chad Warner, I mean, he is, start, yeah. he is really gone to an elite level very quickly. The other one I like, and I actually had him above Warner before last year, but I still reckon there's a lot of upside left in him. Justin McInerney. I reckon he's a real class act. Yeah, he's a, he's a really good player. And what they've done with Callum Mills has gone now into the midfield at, at halfback. He, to me, has taken his game to where it should be and probably even exceeded that. Like, he's such a hard to... I reckon they made a mistake in the grand final, so you're not playing him on Dangerfield. 
I reckon they, they did it in the, their game early in the year and, and I think outsmarted themselves by not playing him on Dangerfield and he didn't have the effect. But he's a really good player. And that's the other player I want to bring up the same age is, is Isaac Heaney. I'm disappointed in Isaac Heaney. I reckon we let him off the hook in the media. He's Gee, he a, had a pretty good year last year. Yeah, we're against lower sides. and uh, to, yeah. to me, he's a Jordan Ngoi. And we're critical of Jordan Ngoi, I think, because he's a bad boy image. To me, uh, I reckon Heaney needs to be able to go into the midfield more and have impact on games more. I don't. I'm. I think he's one that needs to take his game to a level that Callum Mills does consistently, week in and week out. He's got enough talent. He's. You know, he's a good player. I'm not criticising him as a good player. I think he's got more to give, and more to give consistently. I've got to say, I'm, I'm, that's a really interesting comparison to Goey and Heaney, isn't it? And I, straight away, the thing that pops into my head is Jordan Degoey's like a villain off Home and Away, you know, the bad boy who sort of hooks up with the one of the cast leads. And and Heaney's like the guy off Baywatch, isn't he? So does he need a few more tats or something, Heaney? No, no, I don't think he needs it. But I, I probably think we're harder on, on Degoey because of his off-field and his, uh, his the, the perception of him. Yeah. Um, where Isaac, Isaac probably a bit has been more consistent than Ngoi and, and over the time, but I think he can take his game to another level. He's a really good player, but I think at times when it needs to be uh, the team needs him, I think he needs to take that leadership role like a Mills does, and and Warner has done to be able to take the actually carry the team on his back. I was pretty happy with that analogy, Rocket. I reckon you could have done more with it, but never mind. No, I'll leave you alone. I don't watch those shows. <laughs> Depressingly, I used to. Um, what about uh, Luke Parker is ageless? Where's Buddy Franklin at? Can they sort of, I don't know. I mean, I guess my, my question here is, if Buddy isn't a focal point, can Buddy play a support role or does he just sort of get in the way? Yeah, that's a good, especially on a small ground, he might get in the way. And I think... No, he struggles to bend over now. He's got the back, and uh, that happens with age. Um, how they use him, I, I would think uh, he's not going to play every game, um, but uh, if they use him smartly, but he's, he's more of that, can play that hybrid forward, that in the old terms, that half-forward flanker type. And But I think they'll give him that centre-half-forward role, the SCG, back towards goal a little bit with him get up the ground and create space to run back into because that's his that's his strength. Um live with his live, live with his deficiencies. Uh but Parker's a star, as you said, but Franklin, I I don't expect much from Buddy this year. All right, prediction. Um I've got them top six. Um between them and Collingwood for a top four spot. Uh top six definite and I'm almost prepared to say top four definite. I reckon there's there's real solid foundations. I don't think last year was a flash in the pan at all. So I'm pretty bullish about the Swans as well. All right, let's head west. <laughs> Tough times for the West Coast Eagles. Uh, just two wins in 2022, 20 losses, and second last. They finished 17th on the ladder. Real changing of the guard here. Uh, not huge ins to speak of. Jaden Hunt comes across from Melbourne as a free agent out of the mix. Well, Josh Kennedy, the ageless uh, spearhead warrior, bearded, uh, that wasn't even a proper sentence. Um, he has retired. Uh, Zach Langdon uh, delisted. Jack Redden has retired. Uh, Junior Rioli 
traded to Port Adelaide. Um, yeah, I've got major reservations here, Rocket. They, you know, they're, they're pushing kids through, but there's no one in that mix who has really been an eye catcher, I reckon, or who I've seen and think immediately, oh, he's definitely a, a long-term part of the plan. No. No, I, I, I've got some real concerns. Obviously, Oscar Allen will be back for them this year. He's out a fair bit. They had a few injuries last year. But where they end up, and they're not going to challenge for the eight, is a Shuey and Yo. They're going to depend on them and their midfield. And obviously, young Gidby is going to be, it looks like a good it looks like a good talent, but he's not going to carry the midfield. If those two are injured or don't play, to well, I play well, I can see them really struggling like they did last year. I, I don't I don't see a lot. And I'm like, I'm like you. I, some of the kids that they've had come through where their development's not right or they haven't been given the chances, I'm not too sure. But ever since they've whinged and moaned about going to the hub, it's been a downhill stretch for them. Once mm. they made it public and they whinged and moaned uh, when they went to Queensland, they haven't recovered mentally. It seems like, uh, well, that's it. We'll put the cue on the rack. I'm looking at their list. They've got major list issues, I reckon. Apart from the fact that the kids they have brought in, you're still saying, are they good enough? They don't have enough currency to work with. Because I was about to ask the question, why didn't they cut deeper? Well, they didn't cut deeper because they haven't got enough trade currency. So you look at who they traded, and Junior Rioli was basically the only guy they traded because who else did they have who you're really interested in? The only one they could that teams might have been interested in was Jeremy McGovern. Mm. And but he's getting older and he's not a great runner and teams are starting to work him out. But he's about the only one. Or like, yeah, 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 Gaff sort of too old. What about Yo? You know, like, Yo's had that groin issue. Is he, would you take a punt on him at his age and injury? You probably wouldn't because you'd have to pay him a bit to move him. So, so they've um, so their list management now is going to come right into question. Mm. It's a major uh, challenge for Adam Simpson. I mean, look, he, he's proven he's worth as a coach, been very consistent with him. But uh, I guess now, we, you know, if he can sort of get them up again for another crack from where they are now, it is a great coaching effort, isn't it? Yeah, it will be. So I can't see it happening. Yeah, no, nor me. Uh, prediction for the Eagles? Certainly bottom six and probably bottom three. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the same. Bottom six, uh, almost a lock for bottom three and, and fighting out the spoon, I think, uh, with the Ruse and the Hawks. And, uh, well, gee, Adam Simpson, there's some common ground for him, a coaching assistant coach at the Hawks and, of course, decorated playing career at North. But uh, tough times for the Eagles. And, yeah, major list challenges there for the West Coast administration. Have they left... Um, the redevelopment too late. And uh, this could be a, a textbook example of what happens when you do. Of course, we don't wish that upon them. Uh, good luck to them, certainly, for the season ahead. All right, one team to go in our 2023 season preview. <laughs> Let's talk about another of your old uh, teams, Rocket, the Western Bulldogs. Uh, 2022 record, disappointing. You've got to say 12 wins, 11 losses, and eight knocked out in that first uh, final by Fremantle after leading handsomely. List changes. Oscar Baker joins the Doggies from Melbourne. Um, but the big ins here, uh, literally as well as metaphorically, uh, key position talent at either end of the ground. Rory Lobb coming in from Fremantle. Of course, he can ruck as well. 
Liam Jones, former Bulldog, going back to where it all started, but as a much more accomplished key defender rather than the forward he was initially at the kennel outs. Lockie Hunter, he's gone to Melbourne. Uh, of course, Josh Dunkley, the biggest one there, traded to Brisbane. Zane Cordy, uh, free agent, he's gone to St Kilda. Uh, Mitch Wallace, delisted. I'm really bullish about the Bulldogs, pardon the pun, Rocket. Uh, loaded up on height. Dunkley is a loss, but I, I think the midfield is so deep, I think they can easily withstand that. And uh, so much tight up forward. You've got Hugo uh, Hagen, you've got uh, Darcy, you've got Air Norton. Um, it's it's Lobby, a Lobby. lot, so much to to work with, isn't it? And uh, and a really deep midfield. It is. Uh, I think their forward line is be interesting how they can do that. But I think Hugo Hagen is probably to me is like a four hundred meter runner, a bit like a he's not as good as Franklin, but that sort of mold. So he could play the old flank. He doesn't have to be a key position. He if he's got himself fitter. Darcy's the interesting one, and I still think he's twelve months. 24 months away. To me, he's a natural forward. They'll play him down back because he, he marks so well, but he's not for his size, he's quick, but as a defender, if he's 208 centimetres, he's playing on 197 centimetres or 196 centimetre opponent who are more agility will turn him around. So depend on who they play him on and how they how they use him in that role. But he's still, you know, he, he he's going to be a super player. Norton, obviously, we know what he's like. Uh, Josh Bruce is the one that may go back um, because there's no room now in the forward line. So perhaps one of those tools rotate on the bench. Um, uh, yeah, they've got a lot of talent there. Their midfield, yeah, look, and what it'll do, though, with Dunkley out, is that Bontempelli won't have to play forward as much. Mm. So he'll play the midfield. So that that what it'll, what Dunkley gave them in there, though, was the two-way running and pressure. A lot of their mids don't work as hard back the other way or put the pressure on. So they'll need to do some work over this or hopefully done the work over the summer about that. Can I just ask you in, on the sort of robbing, potentially robbing Peter to pay Paul front. I mean, Norton is clearly the best credentialed of those tools to go back. You know, he's been fantastic as a key defender, but, and I was thinking that's the logical thing, but then you see him, at his best up forward. And, geez, he's such a fantastic... He's one of the best contested marks I've ever seen, Aaron Norton. Yeah. Can they afford to move him back? Uh, I wouldn't do that. Because yeah. it's the fear of the opposition. You think about... He'll, bash, he'll bust packs open and he'll and they'll be worried about him. Where if you've just got Lob and young Sam Darcy, he's only a kid, um, and Hugo Hagen, it just, to me, then hasn't got the same presence as what Norton, Norton leads that. And I think he puts fear into the opposition, apart from uh, his ability to mark it. He's kicking for goal. He just needs some work. work. Obviously, he needs to convert a bit more and convert better. Um, but no, I, I, he'd be one that I'll be playing forward consistently. Um, yeah, I think his hair certainly needs some work, Rocket. Still bearing a disturbing resemblance to the late lead singer of Wah Wah Nee, um, one of your favourite bands of the mid 80s. <laughs> what did they ever sing? I never knew they sang uh, a song. St stim stimulation Rocket. It was, oh, yeah. uh, I'm sure <laughs> when you, after listening to that, I'm sure when you and Terry Wallace hit the dance floor at uh, Silver's Nightclub in the mid 80s, Wah Wah Nee, one, one place that I was, wasn't that <laughs> and we are getting it's getting late in the show now we're getting a bit uh, late nightish with the uh, the the gag material um just seriously though i i am 
again, sorry, pardon the pun, I am very bullish about the doggies because the talent's always there. And I, I think the structural issues have been uh, the problem as much as anything. And I think they've been really well addressed. So no excuse for them. And I think the talent's there. I reckon they're a, a massive flag chance again. Do you? Would you go that far or not? Um, I think they're a chance. You've got about five or six teams now in the top four. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've certainly got them in the top six. And I think I've got Geelong, Melbourne and Brisbane, I reckon, are the three for me. And I reckon Collingwood, Sydney and the Bulldogs will fight for that other spot in the four. Um, so, yeah, I think they'll... I, I'm, I, I like what I see with the doggies. I think they can... Uh, really improved from last year. I think Baker, you mentioned, I think he'll be a good replacement for Hunter. I think they've won on that deal. I know they didn't swap and they've picked him up later, but I think Baker will be a, a really good addition for them. Uh, so top six, obviously, for you. Uh, top six lock for me. And uh, as you said, yeah, one of uh, 13 teams I now have in the top <laughs> four. I'm hoping uh, maths isn't a strong point for people. Look, you know, we will nail down some selections at this point. Uh, that, however, does bring us to the end of this season preview. Um, thanks, Rocket. Really uh, enlightening, interesting stuff. And uh, look, just for people joining us for the first time, thanks again to ESPN for taking this on. We will be back uh, every Wednesday this season with a full preview of every game of the round and our take on some of the news of the week as well. So, I uh, hope you've enjoyed what you've heard and uh, good luck to your team for the season ahead. And uh, Rocket, um, terrific to have you aboard. Any uh, oh, Seriously, uh, footy's in a pretty reasonable place, I think, after an encouraging year last year. What sort of season generally do you think we can look forward to? Oh, I think it'll be similar to last year, probably even better. I think uh, the way the scores are going up and I think that's, I've always said that the game's controlled by the coaches. They're not controlled by the rules. Obviously, can dictate the way the, the coaches want to go, but a few of them took it on board to play a, a faster scoring game, and I think that's better because we're in the entertainment industry, unfortunately. It's just not footy. So I think it's good for football, and we can see more of that. So looking forward to a great year, and hopefully yeah, we can Constantine of the ladder. We don't have the, the sixes. Hopefully it's a top 10 or 12 that are really pushing up for the for the final eight, so that'll be great. Well, one one amazing thing about this year, you, you're looking at, I mean, I was going through it the other day, I, I reckon they're up to seven or eight legitimate premiership chances. And it's so rare you can say that. I mean, usually three or four tops. So, um, you know, there are so many potentially very talented uh, lists among the mix. It's uh, the, the great unknowns that go with a uh, start of a season. Good for football, as you say, and uh, the other cliche I like rattling off at the start of a new season is uh, our old favourite uncle Doug Elliott of World of Sport fame. Footy, it's great to have you back. Woof, woof, <laughs> woof. Uh, thanks, everyone. We'll see you back here for round one. Listener.